Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 113. Auspicious. <laughs> A couple days after Friday the 13th. We're fucked. We're boned. There's no fucking hope. We already <laughs> own a black cat. Oh, yeah. Black cat crossed my path about 30 times today. Yeah, there's <laughs> there, there's there's no hope for this. <laughs> Plus, this is, uh, let's face it, it's not the best planned show I've ever gone to mic on. Shh, don't tell them. Well, Let, it's, let them discover for themselves. Uh, look. <laughs> I, I've I've said a couple times in the last couple episodes. If you're a regular listener to the show, uh, look, I'm starting a new job in a couple of weeks. Uh, so all week long, I've been trying to wrap up all the shit at the old job before my last day. Because despite what you might think about the quality of this particular show, I am, after all, a fucking professional. Of course you are. So I'm trying to go out on a high note. So yeah, I've had all that going on. Plus. Even though I have another job that I'm starting, I have an interview mm. with a major university that I have to do on Skype tomorrow, which the only reason I'm doing it is because my parents are so fucking excited about it. All they think is, I don't want to name the university because there's a, um, I'm, let's face it, I'm not taking the gig. <laughs> I, I, I am a software, I'm a software engineer and this major university in the Boston area, there are a few of them, so that should be vague enough, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm just doing it because my parents are excited because all they can hear is, ooh, major university with this reputation finally called my son, which would have meant something in 1989 when I fucking applied there and was just flat rejected. It doesn't mean anything now. They keep saying, oh, it'll look great on your resume. It it would if it was under the education piece and dated 1989 to 1993. Just working for the place doesn't fucking mean anything. Worked for Goodwill Hunting. Well... (laughs) That was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, in fact, janitors who work for this school, but uh, nobody's, you know, nobody's pulling them into interviews going, I see you swamp toilets. Oh, you swamp toilets for major university. That changes everything. Here's your space shuttle. Why don't you lead the fucking charge to Mars? And my parents are just so goddamn deluded about it. All they keep hearing is major university in their head. My mom even said when I talked to her on the phone earlier in the week, oh, maybe you could get an adjunct professor's job teaching at the university. I'm applying for their software development arm. And you hate children. And I do hate children. I hate adults. I hate everybody. (laughs) I don't want to be in front of them trying to make them better. I like to knock people down a peg. That's kind of my thing. (laughs) That's you how know? you manage. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's my grift. That's how I get through life. But yeah, it's, my parents are so goddamn convinced, yeah, I'm going to be goodwill hunting into the fucking math department because someone likes my Lambda expressions in Java. <laughs> it's not a thing that happens. Particularly not when the janitor's been waiting years for his turn at the fucking lectern. I'm just not getting there. There's so, seniority. What can I say? So yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm leaving a job. I have a job I'm starting. I'm still doing these interviews for this job that is not just to shut my parents up to make them happy. So at least they can say, yep, major university called my son. Yep. And your son turned down major university. That's how high toned I am, mom. <laughs> I still remember 1989. I am the pro from <laughs> Dover. <laughs> I'm still angry about 1989. <laughs> That's a problem. It's a, it was, like I said, it's a major university. I applied to this one because you're kind of supposed to and one other one. And that one I actually got an interview in. And looking back on it, 
I I can't understand why I didn't get in there. He said, "What's your uh, What's your life goal?" And at the time, it was to write fucking comic books. <laughs> yeah, tell that to even a little Ivy League school and see how fucking far you get. I was shown the door. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't physically bum rushed out of it. We'll call that a victory, <laughs> I suppose. So I've got all this shit on my mind and all this stuff going on. So yeah, I mean, just just prepping for this show. It has been a nightmare this week just trying to find the time doing it. And then when you go and look at what the hell's going on in comics news, I, it, I'm it's a depressing week. I'm hard pressed to think of a shittier week in comics news, like in the last year. I mean, there was one last year where we just said, fuck it. We're just going to talk about the week's comic books. And the sad thing is, at least that week, there were a lot of good comic books. Yes. Yeah. This week was also kind of a light take, and there were some pretty good ones. And there were like four that were pretty solid that we're probably going to talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, the comics news was just so fucking relentlessly depressed. The only bright spot, I mean, you brought up what, <laughs> what looked like a bright spot. I don't even know why this was news when you finally showed it to me. It was, was a newsorama. Yeah, it was Chloe Moretz, who played Hit Girl, was on the cover of some magazine wearing a leather jacket that was the same colors as Captain Marvel's uniform. Captain yeah. Marvel from Marvel, not... Shazam or the the real Captain Marvel. Yeah, fuck that. He'll always be Captain Marvel. <laughs> God damn it. There is no Shazam is the wizard. He's the fucking wizard. Do you hear that, Jeff Johns? Do you hear that? You hear that? For rebirth. Let's get this all straight. Let's his name fucking Captain Marvel. Quit fucking retconning shit just for marketing purposes. What a bunch of a-holes. Anyway. <laughs> but it's yeah, apparently just this picture on a it wasn't even a comics magazine or no. anything. It started a certain amount of speculation that, oh, she's going to be cast as Captain Marvel, which is, Captain Marvel is a colonel in the fucking Air Force. She's not 22 years old. 20. Chloe Moritz would only be 20 by the time that it would be released, which is in like 2019. Jesus, what is she, nine now? Something like that. What are they, shooting her full of fucking (laughs) horse testicles or something? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) So it's a, that's that's a non-story. She found a leather jacket that had red and yellow on it. Yeah. Next. <laughs> I mean, that was just sort of the nature of comics. The one legitimate positive was that Supergirl got renewed. Yes. Uh, not on CBS. It's moving to the CW. Because apparently the thing costs like $3 million an episode to CBS to has decided that it, it only wants a finite amount of female-oriented programming, and then after that they start to get a little little edgy. I forgot where I read this, so seriously, can consider the source, the, the stressed-out, half-drunk source. <laughs> I read somewhere that Supergirl had its youngest trending demographic on CBS, yeah, and still the median age is like 54 years old. <laughs> Supergirl, yeah, Supergirl and CBS, that's not a good match. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure that CBS is uh, the network that gave us Murder, She Wrote. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. But yeah, in the past few years, it is the, it's the network of the elderly. Yeah, it's uh, not young. Yeah, it's, so they, they've, um, they've moved that to the CW, and they passed on a Nancy Drew adaptation that would have seen... Nancy Drew as a 30-year-old uh, former police detective, who a former police officer who's now a detective, and uh-huh. w- was going to be played by the sociopath from Person of Interest. <laughs> You're really going to have to narrow that down. I'm way behind on Person of Interest. That, that girl character. Um, Root? Amy Acker? No, no, Shaw. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Finch's emotional partner, at yeah. least. Okay. <laughs> 
but I guess they passed on it because they thought it was too female leaning. Well, you guys are only 51% of the population. I know. That's, that's a stupid and, and, and we've got apparently on that network uh, two broke girls, which I've never seen. So apparently that should be enough. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> you know CBS's motto. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, look, Nancy Drew is a 30-year-old. That, that could be an interesting sort of retcon, I guess. But the problem is just... It, Immediately in my head, it starts leaning toward extrapolating. And what, <laughs> what do you do with the Hardy Boys? Are they... I want now. Now I want like, like a forty-year-old divorcee Encyclopedia Brown. Like just... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's smoking that glass dick just to get up in the morning. <laughs> he's got a serious pill habit. Yeah. I never read the Encyclopedia Browns. I was a great brain was, guy. I, I read the Great Brain. Now, now I want. A great brain that's actually done as a period piece because it was a oh, period yeah. piece, but I want it done on like Showtime now. Gritty the great brain, <laughs> like like it meets like you know Deadwood or something. <laughs> Fucking haven't joined Penny Dreadful. That's the right time period ish. That'll work. Bobsy Twin Road Comedy. You know, just <laughs> Hulu. Are you listening? The the Babysitter Club. <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown's the pimp. Oh, God. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, see, it's it's funny when somebody besides George Lucas rapes my childhood. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> when George does it, it's time for the pitchforks. Yeah, then you need the hemorrhoid donut. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, at least we still got uh, Supergirl. Uh, on the plus side, you know, going to the DCW universe, that's a thing. I'm going to make it a thing. It's the DCW universe. But uh, yeah, being there, we could probably get more easy crossovers with the Flash and Arrow. I, I say easier, except it's still on a different alternate Earth. At least, and it, it'll probably stay that way for right now, because the, the big thing when they were announcing it might move, and the production would move from Los Angeles to Vancouver, Canada, where every goddamn television show and movie shoots because they... Thanks, X-Files. Yeah, apparently they not only don't collect taxes, they like just <laughs> graft you, they throw you money in a paper sack when you cross the border. Oh, we gotta go shoot something up there. <laughs> and, uh, we barely have the resources to do this show. Once we, get a, <laughs> once we get a camera involved, we are off budget. I'm sorry. Now I seriously want Kevin Smith to take a look at the Bobsy Twins. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, he's, How bad could it be? He's far too busy jacking off over Degrassi. You can only, <laughs> can only have one thing at a time. So yeah, it's it's going to Vancouver. Uh, in theory, it could make crossovers easier since everybody's under the same hood. Uh, but it's but yeah, it's since they're moving it, there was speculation that Callista Flockhart, who's playing Cat Grant, might leave the show because she had said all along, "I'm only interested in doing it if it shoots in L.A." And I read some reports, uh, I think on the Hollywood Reporter, that she's going to stick with it at least for right now. And that would also, if she decides, "Nah, I don't want to do this anymore," I'd I'd much rather. Clean the drool off Harrison Ford for the rest of my <laughs> my or his natural days. <laughs> uh, that, that's a perfect excuse to have somebody jump into Earth Arrow or whatever the hell they call it and, <laughs> and make it more part of the, the standard continuity. Yeah. That's all speculation. It is all speculation. At this point, it's just moving to the other network and it's going to look a little cheaper. Yeah. Nah. Hey, that's all right, though. As long as it keeps going because... Even if there aren't right away plans to do another crossover, the fact that it could happen again and now that it's easier is is a plus. Oh, yeah. it's That is easily the, the episode where she crossed over with The Flash is easily the second best superhero crossover in non-comic book media this year. I agree. <laughs> so, sorry, Batman versus Superman. I, <laughs> I know you tried real hard. 
I know you tried. You tried. I know you turned in the product on the accepted date. <laughs> there was a deliverable. Uh, I, there was a deliverable that was met. <laughs> Good on you. I know what it's like to try to be a professional when it doesn't fucking matter. It's baffling to me, uh, looking back at when we talked about the pilot, it's baffling to me that I'm like, oh, thank God Callista Flockhart's still going to be there. Because when I watch that pilot, I'm just like, oh, my God. She's just a terrible, stereotypical, Chewing horrible... The you know, dickhead millionaire, hard-ass boss. And okay, that serves a purpose, but ask me why I found a new job and I'm interviewing a major <laughs> university. That doesn't, it's not an exciting thing to deal with on a day-to-day, even week-to-week basis on a TV show. Mm. But I don't know what it is. She grew on me over the episode. Maybe it's a dickhead millionaire boss with a strong sense of morality who doesn't take shit as closer to Batman. And that's all it takes for me. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it's good news, at least to us. You know, I know our longtime friends of the show, Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks, have no time for the show. <laughs> Give it another try, guys. It's not it's, for everybody. It's gotten, it's gotten stronger than the pilot, and even the pilot we thought was pretty good, but uh, give it another shot. But Yeah. So, yeah, that was the good news. Otherwise, it has all sucked and been terrible. Yeah. Some of it I barely even want to mention. Mm. I mean, there's... When the big Friday news is DC Comics finally made a statement on their sexual harassment policy, you know you're swinging for the fences with joyous comic book fucking news. <laughs> do we want to talk about that or do we just want to cut the goddamn show short-ish uh, and let's, move let's, on to the comic books? Let's mention it. I don't think we have to dwell on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's look, where this all came from is a few weeks ago, uh, Shelley Bond, who was Vertigo's executive editor, got let go, got fired. And then there was a variety. So they were doing a restructuring of, of things. For whatever reason, whether it was a restructuring or Vertigo had a huge launch last year and not all the books sold as well as they were hoping for, even though apparently a lot of them are doing really well in trade. Mm. For whatever reason, the decision was made. She was let go. And there was a big pushback from a lot of people, particularly women who had worked at DC at one time or another, saying, well, how can you do this while... DC Superman group editor Eddie Berganza is still working there, and Eddie has had problems with sexual harassment in the past. Uh, apparently, there was a pretty public incident at WonderCon back in 2012 that was witnessed by a bunch of people and got reported on by Bleeding Cool, and he was disciplined and demoted from executive editor to Superman group editor and supposedly, at least according to a couple of sources that I saw, uh, comic book resources being one of them, he hasn't had any episodes since. But then the other argument is, well, there aren't any women working in the Superman group, so maybe they're doing that on purpose to keep him out, uh, keep him out of trouble. Or orifices or things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, look, uh, on one hand, we've heard enough of this shit about enough comics professionals over the years that mm. that I get that there's there's this urge to see somebody's head roll over it. Mm. It seems like you hear about it and then there's an apology and then everything just sort of moves on. So I kind of get that. But I mean, on the, the other hand, I don't believe in zero tolerance policies about anything. I mean, if you do something wrong and you get punished and you take that and you then legitimately change your behavior, I think that matters. Well, that's the part that, that matters. Did he legitimately change his behavior? And, and that's the part <laughs> nobody knows. All, yeah. all we know is the stuff has been made public. All we know are the complaints that people have come forward about. And apparently there was more than one over the years. So I don't know. <laughs> which, which would suggest there hasn't been a change in behavior. 
Well, <sighs> see, you can't fucking tell. Yeah, I don't work there, so I don't know. I mean, and that's the the problem with with these kind of things. You you hear about the culture in comics, but we are so goddamn on the fringes of it. You know, nobody fucking talks to us. We're Pluto. We're willing to talk to people. Just realize <laughs> <laughs> gmail dot com. But the the reality is, yeah, we're we're two comic geeks in a basement. We're not plugged we into shit. So. At, least at least it's our own basement, and it's a nice basement. It's a lovely basement. I mean, it's there's you know, a rug. We're not talking fucking sweating concrete walls here. There's no, a, there's a rug. God damn it, painted. <laughs> It's, not ourselves. No, yeah, I don't paint. <laughs> Fuck that. But there's light. So that's it's just a stone bummer. It's not necessarily a thing, and it's a weird thing. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it, but it's weird because the situation Berganza got particularly hit for was supposedly uh, at some event in a hotel. He was shit-faced, there was liquor involved, and uh, he hit on uh, a freelancer's partner and uh, tried to uh, put his hands on her, make out with her or something like that, and that's what he finally got dinged for. And it's the only perspective I have on this is that happened to me once. Okay. Like, I was the person that this woman was trying to put hands on. At a co- it was very similar. It was a company event, but out of the office, and it was open bar, and everybody was drinking, and yeah, this woman got me in a corner and was trying to make out with me, and she was the head of HR. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Makes it really hard to then report. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, so, you know, on one hand, so, yes, I've been on the opposite side of it. That said, it happened to me once. Yeah. I was 28 years old, and I was six feet tall and 200-something pounds. So I never, I was never felt like I was in any physical danger. It was more just like, ew, I don't, this is gross. I don't want, the, the woman was much older than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not like I was in danger. It's not like she was going to put an arm lock on me and fucking haul me into the bathroom or anything. So that's not a thing I had to worry about. And it's also the, the industry I was working in. It's, it's not exclusive and hard to get into like comics. Mm. Like they hired me right out of college when I didn't know shit. It's not hard to get into this particular industry. (laughs) If you got a pulse and can do basic math or at least operate a calculator, you were fine back in the nineties. You could get into it. Okay. So, I mean, it, it wasn't a case where, oh, I have to worry about this woman besmirching my reputation and telling stories about me and I'll never be able to find work. And in fact, I left that industry like less than six months later for completely unrelated reasons. <clears throat> so that was never an issue again. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's, you know, when it, 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 we're talking about an effect it may have had on me. I don't even remember the woman's name. It was a thing that happened to me. It was not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it made me uncomfortable, but the other thing to keep in mind is even back then, there was liquor involved, and I am an inveterate drunkard. <laughs> I'm really good at drinking. I understand exactly how I can handle my liquor. I know what's going to happen to me when I, I've blacked out repeatedly. I know what happens. Now I can get as loaded as I want, which is pretty damn loaded. I'm fucking good at it is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> I recognize that not everybody is. So while if everybody had had seven drinks, I'm like, all right, I'm having a good time. This woman could have been blitzed out of her fucking mind. And I, I figured if I could just get out of this situation... When everybody sobers up tomorrow, they'll feel stupid about it, and it's probably just going to go away. Yeah. So it's that's exactly how I handled it. I talked my way out of it, and then made sure a few people. I talked to a few people on the way out. I left. Yeah. And I made sure people knew I was leaving and she was staying, so nothing else. You know, nobody could accuse me of anything later on or right. anything like that. Um, 
and then uh, yeah, it's, uh, nobody ever spoke of it again. And then uh, yeah, like four or five months later, I was out of the company and out of the industry. But it was just I I don't want to have to deal with this. It's uh, this is not a good situation. I just want to get myself out of it. Uh, and I figure everybody's gonna fucking forget about it. So uh, let's just see if that happens. And and that's what happens. And it you know could sound like you know oh you're you're blaming yourself. It's uh, no, I'm blaming myself. It's just I understood booze was involved. People who aren't good at booze, it makes them stupid. So I played the odds. So, plus I, I already had liquor at home, so it was no great fucking loss to leave the party. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't go to any parties anymore, which is kind of a, well, not really, but I figured if I can't, all right, I'll just drink at home. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, these are people I work with. I don't want to fucking hang out with them. It was a Christmas party. <laughs> if I go to the Christmas party, I don't have to be at work for an extra hour or two. It was, <laughs> it was all it was. So, yeah, I just sort of extricated myself from it. But I mean, the the worst part of it for me was realizing, Jesus, if this is the quality of woman who chases me, I've let myself go. I mean, I'm only 28 years old. I should be chased by much, much more attractive and younger women than this. Well, I mean, it, I, I guess it worked out. But if she had been somebody that you directly reported to and then had to see every day, how would you have felt perhaps? Well, it's... I mean, and th- that was the thing that I just tried not to think about. She was human resources. Yeah. She could have put anything she wanted in, in my file. Right. You know, it's if if layoffs came around and eventually they did at that company, she could have easily put me at the top of the list. Yeah. Or, you know. I'm not saying she didn't have any power over you. I'm just saying in terms of it was, it sounds like it may have been easier to resolve insofar as you didn't have to see her every day at least. I pretty much had to see her. It was not a Did big you? company. Okay. I, I saw her all the time. Ooh. It was just, you know, again, it's just to pretend it didn't happen, smile and hope, you know, hope she feels dumb about it. And you could make the argument that by doing that, I enabled her to chase after other 20 something men all over the place. I, I suppose you could say that. But again, this is not my fucking dream career. You know, right. I, I, I didn't have any dreams of staying at this place for years and years and years. I left pretty fucking quick. And even when I wasn't leaving, I was still working to be a you know, professional comedian. So it was, yeah. this was the day job. So making some kind of stance, it's a, no, I want my paycheck. So I understand the instinct of let's just hope it fucking goes away. You know, yeah. Was I risking somebody else being treated this way? Yeah, sure. But again, it wasn't that big a deal to me. It was, yeah. it was embarrassing and it didn't feel pretty great, but. You I mean, know, it, it doesn't define me by any stretch of the imagination. There's the question of, you know, had you chosen to report it, you know, how would the company have handled it? Certainly the fact that she was the head of HR complicates that. Um, in the case of DC, it sounds like there were some women that wanted to downplay it or ignore it for whatever reason, uh, out of fear for their jobs, their ability to to network and get employment elsewhere. But some others who did make very public statements about it in DC didn't do much of anything. So then that becomes a question of for those who do speak out, if it takes this long to come up with a public statement, how is someone supposed to feel safe working there? Well, yeah. And from my standpoint, when I went through it, it was a gamble. You know, I gambled that she would sober up and feel dumb uh, and that it would never come up again. And it did. I mean, she could just as easily have tried to retaliate against me, mm-hmm. um, in which case I would have had to have done something about it, I guess. But right. uh, it's, again... That's why I kind of, I can understand the 
the the people on the receiving end of this kind of behavior because yeah these are questions that you ask yourself yeah again it's it's uniquely male in that i was never in danger it was like this makes me feel icky and i don't want to do this so i'm just going to get out of it and hope it goes away right um that's how i handled it but it's my (coughs) my specific situation is not anybody else's right you know if if this was my dream job, let's say it was major university and I've been trying to get in there for my entire life. Would I fight tooth and nail to keep it and to feel safe there? I'd like to believe I would. i like to believe it was the particular circumstances here. I don't feel like a victim. Yeah. I don't feel like a pussy. And maybe it's just a uniquely male perspective, but I figured once I got myself out of it, she wasn't my fucking problem anymore. Yeah. Get out of the situation. Everybody sobers up. Everybody feels better. And then eventually, again, I left and I didn't have to worry about it at all. And it's, again, for all I knew, she got drunk this one fucking time and did something stupid. Yeah. This one time. It, and that could be the case. And and for a job that I didn't care that much about, there was no fucking percentage in me putting myself out there to start shit because it could just as easily have backed up on me. Mm-hmm. Nobody was around to see it. It was a one word against the other. Right. You know, so I could very easily have had this turned on me and the reality could... She, she could have gone gone girl on you. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just like... You know, I never let it stop me from feeling like I couldn't go out with coworkers in social situations again. Again, I just had my last week at a job. I went out drinking with coworkers twice last week. And you got another one coming up. Exactly. But if I'm honest, I've never let myself get caught in a situation where I'm split off with just one individual woman before. Yeah. Because I don't want to deal with that again. It's just that it's not a great situation to be in. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I can understand both sides because I've been on that side, but I mean, kind of. I never had to worry about, you know, <laughs> I, I never had to worry about, oh, Jesus, wherever I go in this industry, women are going to be throwing themselves at me just because I've got the peen. That's not the way the world works. Yeah. And with women in comics, you hear about this kind of thing happening from all angles, constantly at conventions. So certainly my situation, I, I wouldn't put it on par with this, the situation that's been reported by many women in comics. And again, this is a thing that only happened to me once. It doesn't define me. It doesn't define my work. Right. You know, if I'd stayed there and a buddy of mine got laid off while she still stayed there, would that have made me feel different? Maybe. You know, but again, it's all of this is just something that, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's really not a fun topic to talk about on a comics podcast. So, you know. No, it's more that, you know, DC has, has, made a statement at this point some would argue they've made it too late but now that they have the question will be if something comes to light again and somebody is vocal about it what steps will they take and will will that help to set tone going forward in their industry yeah and and now again the the industry i was in you, you don't hear the same kind of things that you hear about the comics industry where you hear this kind of stuff happens at every convention and has had yeah. been part of the culture for years and years and years so like i said my situation was unique i understand it from that point of view but also yeah part of my attitude when it happened was you know should this woman be destroyed cuz she got drunk and did something stupid now, again, I don't know if she's ever done it before or ever did it since. For me, it was just, all right, let's just let it fucking lie and hope it goes away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, again, that's just my situation, but I can understand it from that point of view. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's it. before anybody decides to, you know, get angry and send a fucking email in and say, you know, it's not the same because you're a man. Hey, fuck you. 
<laughs> Seriously. If I pushed you into a fucking corner and you just happen to have a pistol grip mace bomb in your purse, and I pushed you in a corner and tried to kiss you and then turned around and said, oh, because you're physically able to stop me, it's not really harassment, then I'd be above the fucking fold on the Mary Sue for the next six months <laughs> with biggest douchebag and comics podcasting as the probable fucking headline. Yeah, you'd probably get on Jezebel too. Yeah, so... <laughs> No matter who you are, that kind of harassment is a shit situation, and it should not happen to you. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. It didn't end my life, but it was a sucky 20 minutes. Well, and, and approaching it from the perspective of, of someone who is in management, um, anytime you have an interaction with somebody that you supervise, you always need to take into account, how is my communication going to be perceived? And that's something as minor as, Hey, uh, my car broke down. Can you give me a ride home? Because then you're alone in a car with somebody and you're their boss. Um, yeah. <laughs> to, um, you know, making a comment that you think is offhand, such as, Oh, wow, you clean up real nice. You know, like, <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me. <laughs> you know, it comes out of your mouth and then you stop and think about it. Like, did I, did I really need to say that? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, um, so taking it a step further, when you're at a convention and, and you're there with other professionals, yeah, there's the, the urge to blow off steam because, you know, you're, you're in a social networking situation and there's booze. You still have to comport yourself with some fucking modicum of dignity. <laughs> and you can't blame booze. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's after a certain point, if you can't handle your liquor, you shouldn't be having it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, what goes for a social situation at a convention goes for the same as um, wandering into a supply closet and finding somebody in there or in the hallway or over by the water cooler. You don't do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Look, it shouldn't happen to anybody. It shouldn't happen to women in comics at a convention. It shouldn't happen to me at a Christmas party in the back corner of the fucking Hard Rock Cafe in Boston. <laughs> For me, it was different and not horrifying, and I didn't feel like it was a risk to my career, but I understood, okay, there could be problems here, and I gambled, and I won. It went away, yeah. and in the end, I left, but I also think that, you know, again, for all I know, this woman got drunk and did something stupid once and never did it again. I don't think that people should necessarily be defined by something, even if they've done it a few times, once they are confronted and punished and given terms and modify their behavior, then I think that matters. Well, that's the key, modifying the behavior. And that's, and that's what we don't have a clear picture of. There's the camp that argues, yeah, he was disciplined. Let's all move on with our lives. And then there's the other camp that says, well, he was disciplined. It didn't seem to help. We don't know. That's, I, that's, and that's the thing. We don't know what happened. We don't know anything more that's been in any of the other comics websites. Yeah. Now, and again, according to, I think it was comic book resources, and again, based on their sources, nothing has been reported since this incident in 2012. I don't think anybody is arguing that that happened, mm -hmm. and that certainly should not have happened. But if he was confronted and punished and has modified his behavior. And the other thing is, look, it's a shame Shelley Bond lost her job. She didn't lose her job because she sexually harassed someone. Right. This is not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. No. You don't want anybody to lose their job. It's a bummer. You know, she put out quality comics with Vertigo. We bought a lot of them. She clearly mm -hmm. has been passionate about the job and her previous job at Vertigo for years and years and years. But her losing her job, for whatever reason, is not the same as Berganza being kept on. It's not a fair comparison. And, and some would say that given his track record of behavior, 
if they needed to make some changes, they should have valued her more and kept her and had him move on. Uh, look, what Eddie Berganza did was wrong. I don't defend what he did because I've had it done to me and it sucks. If he has changed, I think that needs to be taken into account. If he hasn't, then there need to be further consequences. And if that means a loss of his job, because it's not acceptable behavior. Right. It sucked when it happened to me. It shouldn't happen to anybody. On an infinite timeline, if it's happened to other people, those stories will come out. They absolutely will. You know? <laughs> oh, fun week of comics news. Fun fucking week. Uplifting. God damn it. Uplifting. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. All right. And then... But Chloe Moretz has a jacket. She's got a jacket. <laughs> it's yellow and red. So clearly, and blue. So clearly she's got the power cosmic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, she'd also had a mohawk. <laughs> no, then she'd be Storm. No, because like in, in the first Dexter Soy kind of designs when Kelly Sue DeConnick was running the story, she had this like weird mohawky kind of thing. Yeah, I think it was just the nature of the cowl that she had. Either way, that was awful. Don't do that. Change that design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not Mr. T, think very carefully about the Mohican. Yes. He was wrong and you knew it. So, it was just not good. Uh, so what other comics news this week? We lost Darwin Cook. It's, it ended on a fucking stone bummer. We're fans of Darwin Cook here. Yes. He's not, for me, my favorite artist, but he's he's up there in the top of that list. What I think of is when Ed Brubaker... Um, sort of rebooted Catwoman. <laughs> Darwin Cook was the artist on that. Yeah, I think that's the first time I really, if it's not the first time I saw his art, it's the first time I really took notice of it. Yeah. And yeah, it was a completely different look. Yeah, definitely kind of retro and old school. So yeah, that's where I, I first saw him. Uh, I'm a big fan of New Frontier. I reread that this morning for the obvious Such reasons. Such a good series. Yeah. Um the work that he did on um, before Watchmen, or <laughs> yeah, he uh, I think he wrote Silk Spectre uh, and did art on Minutemen. Yeah, so Minutemen was a good looking book. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> that's a he probably was involved in the two best parts of that misguided, stupid <laughs> fucking experiment. Yeah, the Minutemen looked good, and Silk Spectre actually was a pretty good story. Right, I mean his adaptations of the Parker the, novels. The Parker novels. Now, I'm a huge fan of those novels. You know, we didn't name the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's mascot Parker after Peter Parker, no matter what people think. Or Parker Lewis. Yeah. Parker Lewis, despite popular conceptions, loser! <laughs> Move on! Yeah, I made you watch Twister yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to the toilet for five <laughs> minutes. I come down and the surround sound's going, oh, I'm like, what the fuck is going on down there? I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced I only ever watched that movie for the sound, sound mix. Certainly not for the plot. Oh, there, <laughs> there's, there's no plot. There are, there are a few catchphrases. Some of the catchphrases are simply catchphrases from another movie as said by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's uh, the lowest of Van Halen songs. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a Repo Man reference in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's the the Philip Seymour Hoffman. One. Yeah, and uh, as you pointed out, almost everybody in that movie was working on uh, 
NBC, NBC must-see TV from the mid-90s. Yeah. Half the cast of, uh, what is it, The Single Guy? Oh, and- yeah, there's... there's um- People, yeah, people that were in the cast of The Single Guy, people that were in the cast of ER, Helen Hunt at that time, I think was still on Mad About You. Ah, <laughs> oh, the glory days. Yeah. Hey, look, it's watchable, particularly after 10 beers, I've discovered. <laughs> um, but none of this has to do with, with Darwin Cook. No. Um, I mean, from a, a personal bummer, he was scheduled to be a guest at Boston Comic-Con this year. Yeah. And uh, every year, Amanda and I sort of have a get for who we want to get original art or sketches from. And uh, what we've tried to do in previous years, and Amanda's a lot better at this than I am, not only in asking people for it, but in in matching the artist and the thing. We sometimes try to get artists and ask them to draw something that they're not necessarily known for, but matches their style. For example, yes, um, I, I think it was last year at Boston Comic Con, was able to get Sarah Richard to do um, a sketch of Starfire saving Dexter from a tree. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's the most awesome thing. Yeah, for, from an artist right now, best known for for My Little Pony. It's a and perfect gem. and gem. <laughs> it's a perfect match of of style and yeah, it's just a a big bright smiling yeah Starfire awesome. <laughs> and, and Dexter's <laughs> angry to be saved. And, <laughs> So yeah, it's a. I had on my list. I was going to use. We got VIP tickets for Boston Comic Con, so we can get in thirty minutes early every day. So I was going to use that thirty minutes to go straight to Cook's table, and if he was taking commissions, try to get him to do a Rocketeer. Yeah, which I think would be perfect for his style. And I'm sure he's done it before, mm-hmm. and I may have even seen him before. But I wanted to try to get it. So that's it's kind of a bummer. And it, you know, if if you're wondering, you know, oh, it's a big loss for comics. It's my parents called me today. To ask about major university, but also, <laughs> also they they said, uh, do you know who Darwin Cook is? They'd read about it in the newspaper, so this has sort of gotten around. Yeah, it's... well, because he's from Florida. Oh, he is. I think so. Okay, I think I. <laughs> All right. Well, that would that would explain why it's more so. likely to have been closer to be front wrong. page news. Yeah, and uh, yeah, now I just have to. <laughs> It's hard because I'm technically unemployed for a week. I'd love to go online, and uh, I've got all the Parker adaptations, except I don't have the Martini edition. Oh. So I don't have uh, The Man with a Getaway Face, which is the adaptation of the second Parker novel. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry. And uh, if it's not the best of the Parker novels, it is easily one of the best titles in crime fiction. Yes. So, <laughs> oh, man, The Man with a Getaway Face. That's just a good title. It is. So, yeah, this week has sucked for comics news. It really has. It's been terrible. And somehow we've managed to still talk about it for 40 minutes. These things come in threes, right? So that means that there's going to be like one more shitty thing that has to happen? Uh, I guess. But <laughs> Not sure what that would X-Men be. X-Men Apocalypse based yeah. on the early, <laughs> early reviews. Yeah, I what? don't think Oscar Isaac's going to be able to save that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> when does that come out? Is that next week or the week after? Uh, I think it's a 24th. 24th. So, where are we? Just, just looking sit at there the... and just yell, shut up, Sansa, through the whole thing. No, the 24th is a Tuesday. Oh. So, we'll, we'll have to look. Now, one way or the other, yeah, we're, we're not going to involve guests the way we did uh, Ross and Benari last week for no. Civil War. Although, the bright side to that week, hopefully, knocking wood, is that that preacher is going to debut on AMC and hopefully won't suck. Okay. So, if that's both the same week, I'm guessing we're going to talk about preacher instead. Probably. <laughs> but... But yeah, right now the plan is whenever X-Men go, we'll go and we'll talk about it. It may just be you and me because there's no reason to 
based on the reviews I'm hearing, do that to another human being. I, I think we should do a double feature that day and see Keanu afterwards because I have this feeling we're going to need a kitten chaser. <laughs> <laughs> that that works for me. <laughs> yeah, kitten chaser is a possible title for the. We'll at least have a light title for the show for what, <laughs> uh, except for the actual comics. <laughs> it's just going to be a stone bummer. So fuck it. Let's talk about a few comics. We've got more than usual this week just because, yeah, even though we talked at further length about some of these things than I originally intended, uh, <laughs> there should be joy in comics. There should be. It's words and pictures and punching. That's fun, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm told. <laughs> uh, all right, which which one do you want to start with? Bobsy Twin Bigfoot crossover. No, wait. Um <laughs> <laughs> Written by the writer of Come for Bigfoot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, coming to an Amazon <laughs> Kindle yeah. near you. No. no. <laughs> uh, right. let's, let's start. I'm just going to do these in the order that I've got them here. Uh, Jason Aaron, Jason Latour, Southern Bastards. Okay. So, yeah, this is issue... Uh, this is issue 14. As I go through my notes, which are all over the place. Yes, issue 14. It's the uh, end of the homecoming arc. It was delayed a little bit. Uh, it was was so god this is just still consistently it's it's not about superheroes no uh it is about 90 percent reprehensible barely educated possibly inbred douchebags at least from a uh northeastern perspective and somebody who's being interviewed by a major university <laughs> um, but it's just it's so goddamn good it's uh we spend a little time with earl tubbs daughter and this is Remember the one that? Yes, Roberta. I, this is the one book I didn't have a chance to uh, to make notes on. Uh, I was prepping for the show right up until we went. Roberta on the is air. like my my new favorite female character in comics. By the way, she is absolutely she's fucking solid badass. <laughs> she's badass. She puts up with no shit. Uh, well, that's not true. She puts up with a certain amount of shit, but certainly has her line and decides now it is time for me to blow off some of the steam. Roberta and- would not put up with Eddie Braganza. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. <laughs> Just had to put that out there. Okay, there you go. Now we're gonna get sued, probably. <laughs> but yeah, it's she is returning to Earl's home and apparently on her way uh, in the next arc to perhaps start dealing with Coach Boss. But mm. yeah, just dealing with a horrific neighbor in a horrific place. Yeah, just this is like the the best shitty neighbor story I've read for a while <laughs> because there's. There's legitimate vengeance, you know, all that petty vengeance in, uh, in neighbors with, yeah. uh, what's his face from, <laughs> oh Christ, Seth Rogen, yes, thank and, you, um, that the pretty, pretty boy, boy from uh, Zach Efron, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, yeah, that kind of fake vengeance with you know airbags and pranks. It's not the same as breaking wrists and uh, forcing people's face into do- faces into dog shit. Yeah, and and making the dog that's pooping all over your lawn eat cayenne pepper. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it is a good, terrible neighbor story with a good payoff and just a fucking final kick in the slats just to show it doesn't matter. It's not these people; it's this place and all the people in it. With the final, she defeats these two douchebags and attempts to reach out to a child who witnessed it and just hear something terrible and reprehensible and having just reread the new frontier you know john henry when he's uh i don't know how recently you've read it mm. but john henry when he's on the run and hoping to find a place to hide before he's killed 
Darwin Cook was there first, a very similar scene. So it's yeah. like, I read this twice today. And I'm, man, I think you'd almost have to taser me to get me south of the Mason-Dixon line, man. Never and s- I recognize <laughs> the entire South is not like this, but my God, between Southern Bastards and the New Frontier. You're not and getting s- me south of Providence or west of Worcester. Yeah. <laughs> and six seasons of Justified about Kentucky. Um, uh, the South is a wonderful place with a huge history and a remarkable culture, none of which I'm compatible with, even in the remotest way, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's this compelling read about terrible people in this awful place. And I just, I can't get enough of this fucking book. Yeah. And, and I, and I get that it's, it's a love letter to everybody's dysfunctional, um, relationship with, with their shitty hometown, particularly if you are from the South. But uh, I just want to dust off and nuke Craw County from orbit. I, I, I feel like that's the only way <laughs> in order to save Craw County, it's necessary to destroy Craw County. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You could write this kind of story about anywhere. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you, you look at the history of Boston, and the, Boston is uh, one of the most liberal towns in America. And, and if you look at the roster of the Boston Red Sox or the Boston Celtics, um, we are not a blameless fucking society when it comes to this kind no, of thing. No. And it's the kind of thing where if you grow up in a place, you love it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, you tend to be more forgiving of certain things that you won't forgive in other places. Yeah. And I get the sense that Aaron and Latour are not forgiving of this, but understanding of it having grown up there. Yeah. Uh, the same way we tend to not give a pass, but be understanding of the past of Boston, particularly in racial issues, so busing. I, I uh, busing, yeah, there, God knows there's there's plenty in this town. So, yeah, it's possible to love a deeply flawed place, the same way it's possible to then, based on your love of where you're from, look at another place that's equally flawed in different ways and go, you're backwards and assholes. Yes. And you have to keep in mind, uh, no, we're no different. We're just uh, we're we're different, but the same. Yeah. Everywhere is different, but the same. You know, America's a weird fucking place, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for, for, <laughs> I just, I can't get enough of this book. It is it's a great been book. one of my favorites of the last couple of years. So it's a, uh, yeah, it had been, this was two or three months late. And I'm glad that's back and I'm looking forward to getting the third trade in July. Yes. All right. Anything else on that one or you want to, uh, no, I think we can, we can move on to the next. Okay. Next book. What's next? Vision. Vision. Of course, I put all these books in a completely different order <laughs> than my fucking notes. I'm sorry. That's all right. You didn't do it. Uh, there we go. All right. Vision uh, number seven. Yes. Uh, written by Tom King, who is soon to take over Batman and based on his work on the Vision. God damn it. I'm fucking looking forward to that. Uh, I've got art by Michael Walsh. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know about the sales on this book. Uh, this one sort of crept up on me. I missed the first couple issues, and we've talked about a previous issue, maybe four or five this is the best fucking book on the stands that you're very, very likely, I'm guessing, not reading. Yeah. Although the buzz on it, I think, is picking up. This is just, it's a spectacular comic overall. This is a great individual issue that examines not only the Vision and the Scarlet Witch and their relationship, but almost failed relationships as a whole in 20 fucking pages. Yeah. It's And I've said before, I've never given a shit about The Vision. The Vision was in one of my first three comic books. I always sort of said, "Uh, Mr. Spock knockoff. He's never done anything for me. 
but what Tom King has has done in this book is absolutely top shelf. It's it's among my best comics of 2016 so far. Period. That's a, it's a great book um, because it it gives some depth and background to Vision beyond just having been a, a creation of Ultron who suddenly found himself in a relationship with Wanda, <laughs> and, and, yeah. which is something we joked about during the the last show on on Captain America. Um, Civil War. Civil War. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it'd be really easy just to make jokes about uh, Vision being a very expensive sex toy for Wanda. And <laughs> yeah. Um, real, and, and we made those jokes. Real doll beta. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this idea that he's trying to, to make sense of the world and and relationships and people and and trying to understand human beings... <laughs> Oh, and 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 Wanda, who certainly isn't consistent as an individual, because you know, what do you do if you're an android who's kind of rules bound, and the woman that you've developed a relationship goes mad? <laughs> but he's got his his own madness, it's right? A, b- before we we move on from, I we're spoiling the shit out of the book, by the way. Oh yeah, and we'll <laughs> we'll spoil all the books we talk about. Sorry about that, but yeah, if you listen to the show for any length of time, uh, we don't care about spoilers. <laughs> I don't care about spoilers as a whole. I don't mind being spoiled on things. Amanda, mm. however, will punch me in the... When we started watching Game of Thrones, she, <laughs> under threat of physical violence, uh, said, if you spoil anything that's coming up, which is why I took great personal joy in watching you watch The Red Wedding and The Death of Joffrey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, spoilers, by the way. Spoilers <laughs> about The Red Wedding and Death of Joffrey. Yeah, but apparently with with those, like I, I wasn't alone. There, there are numerous videos on YouTube where people... Uh, on their phones, took reaction shots of people watching the Red Wedding. <laughs> oh, all of us who read the books knew. We knew as soon as you saw it. I remember reading it going, holy shit, there's no hope in Westeros. There's no hope. So, so Vision... Uh, but wait, but before we move yeah. on from you said Vision uh, sort of trying to act human, Walsh's art in this is a, a great match to this story because he, he keeps doing vision with these big wide eyes. Yeah. And in certain places, his big plastic smile and just looking at the art without anything uh, in the story really pointing out. Yeah. He's doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. It, it makes it clear. It's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the next step that I'm supposed to be happy here. So these things are happening to me and I, I'm going to be happy. But he just doesn't really understand Social why. Social scripting, yeah. Right, and and he doesn't therefore understand when things are failing exactly why. Right. Uh, like somebody needs to have the the social thinking curriculum discussion with him about expected behaviors versus unexpected behaviors. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, the scene that leaps out to me is uh, the point, and yes, this comic basically covers the entire history of Vision and Scarlet Witch's relationship. Uh, up to uh, now where yeah. they're not together. Uh, but it's, it goes through when he was, uh, white and had his entire operating system rewritten, which I think was in early nineties. Yeah. Now they actually, uh, name check each of the issues that get touched upon in here. Oh, they do? But yeah. is there a back matter? There, there is. I did not see the back matter. Um, this issue features some amazing scenes from Vision's history. Want to know what sparked the Avengers battle with Count Nefaria? See Avengers number 166. Want to relieve, relive, not relieve. <laughs> I want to relieve. I'll be back. <laughs> want to relive the golden days of Vision and Wanda? Check out the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, twelve issue limited series. 
Why was Vision all white and apathetic? And who knew he had kids? See West Coast Avengers number 45. Oh, and for that scene that inspired the title of this issue, check out Avengers number 147. All are available digital uh, via the Marvel app. Yeah, during that scene where where he was white and basically said, I'm a... I'm not the same person, and therefore I don't have these same relationships with uh, Wanda and with the children. Scarlet Witch says, you know, you used to be kind. How are you like this? And he says, how is the truth not kind? He doesn't understand completely. Expected versus unexpected behavior. Yeah, so there's, (laughs) there's a certain amount of that there, but this is really a microcosm of like every failed relationship almost anybody's ever had. And everybody goes through a series of them. It's like, you know, the joke I always, always used to tell when I would start dating someone was, you know, look, I've got a 100% failure rate at this. I'm just <laughs> not very good at it. But uh, until you find the right person, nobody's very good at it. And it's always the same yeah. shit. You get the initial awkwardness. And then, yeah, the couple's everything to each other. Yeah, that was illustrated fucking hilariously with, yeah, they're hiding behind a tree, uh, making out and whispering sweet nothings to each other while in the background there's this heated battle with Count Nefaria just destroying <laughs> a New York City street. But it's like, no, we only have eyes for each other and everybody goes through that phase. Yeah. And then, yeah, it feels like one person's changing and then maybe you're changing and you start to grow apart and move on and then... Start yeah. imagining you have kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The magic <laughs> kids that we all imagine. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then uh, uh, Agatha Harkness uh, wipes our brain. <laughs> Uh, with me, it's uh, Jack Daniels is my Agatha Harkness. But, you know, you understand it's basically <laughs> the same fucking thing. Uh, but it's and, and like is not until you become a little bit more mature. You find yourself later on falling for another person who's really just in a lot of ways, another version of the person you couldn't make it work with. And you do the same fucking things yeah. over and over again until you finally reach a level of maturity and find the right person that it. it it continues past that, but it's in 20 pages. It's not just the history of Vision and Scarlet Witch, but it's every fucking failed relationship I've ever had. And yeah. it just, it's like, my God, this is awesome fucking comics writing. And the art matches with this clueless character who's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm just going to keep rolling with it well, until it goes wrong. That's the funny part because, you know, at the end of it, spoilers, um, <laughs> they, they've created a new sort of um, microchip soul thing, whatever. Soul gem. Soul gem. Uh, a, a, Samacrylum of a soul gem. Yeah. Um, like, you know, those fake iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> like the Prada bags you yeah. get in Little Italy in New York. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and he uses it to, to build his his um, vision family. Uh, the funny part there being is, as I recall, the, the vision wife gets all murderous and goes off on a tear. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, to protect the children. To protect the children. Um, and, and now you understand why, because it's based on um, Wanda. <laughs> and and that, that makes the plot absolutely make sense. But to, to me, the part that hit home was, okay, you're basically just looking for another version of... That's you're you're constantly and a lot of people fall into this trap. We've seen people do it. Uh, you fall into that trap of uh, I love falling in love. Yeah. So you keep trying to do that, and you, you okay? Let me find somebody who is like that because that was awesome. They changed on me. I don't know what the fuck they did, Those but serial monogamists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so we all know him. So it's and he's just doing that, and it's. So yeah, it's not only helps the plot. Serial monogamy and the art of computer programming. <laughs> it, it's not an art. <laughs> it's not an art no matter what major university might think. <laughs> yeah, it's there is more emotion in this 20-page story than I ever found in the last 48 years of vision stories. 
and that includes even an android can cry where it's wow. just like oh they think i'm a person even though i'm not human it's like, okay and that's a key story and it's a classic but well i'm hoping they take from this as they go forward developing wanda and vision's relationship in the marvel cinematic universe because i think there's a lot to be said here in terms of of things they can pull on as as that relationship starts to move forward because it if if you've been a fan of them, you know that this is only going to end in heartbreak. Like I'm waiting for them to introduce Agatha Harkness. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it'll be tricky in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because, well, then again, they haven't really utterly defined her powers. She's not a mutant. It was, her powers. She's were given- an enhanced. They have certain categories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel Entertainment Universe. There are um, the mutants that they can't use because they're in Fox. Right. There are. Inhumans. Yes. There are enhanced people. Mm-hmm. And there are people who um, have tech that they use to make them be able to stand up in battle. Your your Black Widows, um, your Falcons. <laughs> your, your Iron Mans. Your Iron Mans. And then there are meat sacks. That's us, Bubba. And there's, <laughs> the rest of us are meat sacks. So you've got your Inhumans, um, your Skies, your, or I guess she's Daisies now. Um <laughs> Your crew that's on on Agents of Shield, right? And then you have a lot of enhanced people: Steve Rogers, Bucky. Actually, Bucky is technically uh, Bucky is a little of both because he's he's taken the Russian super ser- soldier serum and he's got a cybernetic arm, right? Um, Wanda, Pietro, they're enhanced because and or dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I can come up with others, but they they very clearly have come up with, and actually they were even doing it. In um, Agents of Shield, they had them visit a a party, I guess, or convention um, of enhanced peoples. So the the scientist who ended up getting kidnapped eventually had done surgery on himself to give himself bird eyes or bird vision. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, clearly their riff on body modification. Hey, the minute I can get a bionic arm like Steve Austin, pff, I'm going to that doctor. I don't <laughs> care if I got to go to Bolivia. That's happening. There's, and I, I forget the author. There was a really great story, short story in fi- uh, fantasy and science fiction magazine a number of years ago about like what happens when um, tech for body mod becomes widely available on on the market. And this protagonist of the story thought it was going to make him happier. So he started, it was like this, it became like an addiction. It was little things. You'd have this done and you'd have this done, but he still wasn't happy. And then finally, eventually he got his eyes done. So he had like super like, sharp um vision acuity and then he realized his wife wasn't as hot to him anymore because now all he could see is the flaws like it was just <laughs> it's like high def porn it's not good for anybody <laughs> so it's like the dangers of of what body mod can can lead to because you think it's going to make you happier but in inevitably you have to find happiness within yourself you oh, can't yeah, it's, bring it, it from outside it's old school cyberpunk concepts yeah you know molly millions yep. johnny mnemonic not the movie although i got a soft spot for that movie <laughs> That soft spot tends to melt away the minute Ice T shows up. But <laughs> looking, getting back to to just this this issue, there's a lot of similarities with with what King is doing with Vision to what Matt Fraction did with Hawkeye. Yeah, in that we're going to take this character and take him out of the superheroics and put him in his home and see what he does and examine what he does in his day to day life, uh, and without most of his supporting characters around. This is, particularly as it's gone on, I'm I'm really beginning to think this is at least as good as Hawkeye. Uh, it's not doing as many experimental storytelling things yeah. as Hawkeye did, 
um, like the same stories from you know, a whole Rashomon, same story from different point of views, mm. you know, in, including pizza is my business from the point of view of pizza dog, <laughs> which is one of the best issues of any comic in the last five it really years. Is. But team pizza dog. But, <laughs> but what King is doing with this is very similar in its own way, just as good and really should be mentioned in the same breath. It's, it's really solid comics. It should be getting that kind of press. And I think it's beginning to. Yeah. And if we have helped it at all, man, I'm happy to do it. Cause like I said, the first couple issues sort of slid by me. And I think I picked one up. Uh, I think I was reading it. And I said, have you read this? Yeah. <laughs> you picked one up and, uh, and I read, I'm like, this is really pretty solid. So it's on my polls now. And, uh, yeah, it's as soon as the trades start coming out. Yeah, I'm picking it up, and believe me, you should too. Yep, this is good comics, and I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you know, when Scott Snyder left Batman, it was oh, who can hold up to it? Uh, Vision is good comics. I want to see what King has to do with Batman. Yeah, Batman uh, Fifty Two came out this week, and it was written by James Tinian the Fourth. Yeah, and it was it was not bad. It was not bad. Um, Although right now the story's not sticking to my head. I know I read it. It it was kind of a placeholder because pretty soon with Rebirth, it's all going to go back to number one and Tom King's going to be writing. Right. So it was Batman was on the hunt for some minor villain who normally doesn't work Gotham and like Cypher or something, I think his name is. And he can phase through walls. and Oh, yeah. This is sounding familiar. And, and he, he is on a mission to steal... Oh, yeah, Bruce Wayne's greatest secret. Yeah, which is in a, a safety deposit box. And it turns out that it's it's a list of um, things that young Bruce Wayne thought he needed to do. And it was based on a, a thera- therapeutic advice given to him by uh, Dr. Leslie Tompkins. Yep. Um, it's coming back to me. <laughs> and it, it's this whole bleak list of learn to disappear. Don't let anyone ever leave me again. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every fucking... Junior high kid made that list. <laughs> yeah, but then there's you know, the 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 ironic number fifty two. Oh yeah, um, that that hit me. It's like oh. learn to understand you would never disappoint your parents. Like, and then that's something that that Alfred made Bruce add. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Alfred and or Bruce never turned down a job offer from major, major university. university. <laughs> so. <laughs> Major University, major bummer. By the way, Major University, uh, if you listen to this before I do my interview tomorrow, I'm not necessarily going to turn it down. Uh, <laughs> I can be bought. <laughs> I am not cheap, but I can be bought. But God, don't let them teach kids. Just, just, just take that off the table right now. Let's. <laughs> oh yeah, I should not be allowed to mold. <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to mold plasticine, let alone America's youth. Silly putty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, vision. Highly recommended. Yes. All right, we got we got a couple more. Which one do you want to do next? Uh, let's talk about Starfire. Yeah. And this... can we just say, like, with with um the the unfortunate death of of Darwin Cook, um at this point, can we just like put like an armed guard around Amanda Connor and and Jimmy Palmiotti? And oh Jesus! Yeah. Keep them from harm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of creators going away. Yeah, uh, particularly. Uh, uh, yeah. God, this week sucked. It did. It really did. And particularly to, yeah, last issue of Starfire, everybody. Last issue. Issue 12. Uh, written, as Amanda said, by Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, art by Elsa Sheratier. Uh, what kind of parents would name their kid that? I probably fucked that Which up. Which is but. actually kind of ironically um, influenced by the work of Darwin Cook, if you look at it. I, I can see a resemblance. 
Yeah. Hey, look, dude had an impact. Yeah, yeah. He did old school, simple line work. You know, it's <laughs> had an impact on a lot. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this is the final issue of the series. Uh, this has been on your pulls. You followed this it. This is a great mo- book. Yeah, you followed it more than I did. It's a I think I read, great book. I read most of them. <laughs> Uh, it never really seemed to catch on the way that uh, Connor Harley and Paul Miani's, yeah, Harley Quinn has. But yeah, this book has just generally been fun and a good time to read. And uh, look, if nothing else, it washed some of the stink of Red Hood and the Outlaws yes. off yes. and brought free, uh, free, free flash, free flash point. <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking. What's your point? <laughs> Pre Flashpoint Terra. Uh, back into continuity, you know, just in time for rebirth to fuck it all up. But <laughs> what the hell? This this book has always been like if you worry that there's too much grim gritty dark going on in comics, particularly in capes and cowls, this book was always the antidote to that. It was <laughs> oh, in a lot of ways, yeah. It was always just that Starfire has this unique quality to always see everything as glass half full and and just enjoys people and yeah, trusts people even though people are often incomprehensible the... yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank she's, you she's just relentlessly positive but not being from here she's off kilter enough it fucks people up and they're not always sure it's how not to deal corny with her. like yeah <laughs> Uh, just a very positive and, you know, if you're talking about a character that's, you know, can fly, has super strength and is nearly indestructible, you can walk through a culture knowing, well, nobody can, you know, injure me. So I want to learn and love about, learn about and love everybody. Then so it, it makes sense that, cause that was always kind of the character back in the Marv Wolfman days. Yeah. This is taken to the nth degree. Uh, and certainly, uh, yeah, just the, the constant, little visual of her misunderstanding human idioms that continues through <laughs> this uh episode always made it a light fun read and yeah it's uh, so this is very much appears to have been a planned end of the book whether it was canceled early enough uh or the i honestly don't know if it was canceled or the decision was made all right if rebirth is happening let's just bring this to a close yeah. so we can do other things but yeah it's a it had a time to get one last adventure in with terra that plane crash yep uh, freeing a dolphin from the aquarium. That was awesome. Hey, fuck it. <laughs> Can't fire me twice. Okay, I'll bring you back to your peeps. Yeah, no, it's and and it it ends as it began with her having a conversation with Superman, um, and and knowing that she will have a place to go in Metropolis once she fi- figures out what she wants. Yeah, it it was a solid ending in that sense that uh, her motivation. I mean, there were a variety of motivations, but one of her motivations being, uh, I think I need to be around more super people uh, in order to learn about my powers and my place in the world. And to keep people safe, because she's she's finally figured out that when you have her power level, it will draw villains in kind and and the impact that can have to friends and loved ones. Yeah, but it's... The motivations aside, it's a good setup for, okay, uh, DC editorial. Now you can take her from Key West and plug her into wherever she needs to be for rebirth and in the future. Right. So as you know, an old school comic writer, not trick, but tradition of, uh, okay, let's put the toys back in place yep. so somebody else can play with them. Yep. Um, clean sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the the only real problem I had with it was the whole dolphin thing. 
you know, they present the Dolphins as the fun-loving and playful like Corey. You know, I, I know for I watch some natural National Geographic TV. I, I don't smoke pot, but I get drunk, so sometimes I want something <laughs> that doesn't hurt my head. And I know that dolphins are really, you know, sexually forward and cruel like Corey was in Red Hood and the Outlaws. So <laughs> It's good you didn't make the Eddie Berganza joke that could have been made there. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get past that. <laughs> dolphins, dicks of the sea. <laughs> I, I I will uh, for next week have the sound effect uh from the Simpsons episode. <laughs> Quiet boy, do you want to get a suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it was a good ending. Look, through the entire series, Connor and Palmiotti tried to do something very different with Starfire than than had been done since the start of the new 52. Yeah. And really went a long way toward rehabbing the character cuz yeah, we God knows we keep making Red Hood and the Outlaws jokes. She she was uh characterized unfortunately in that series <laughs> i mean i don't want to fling around the phrase fuck goldfish because she had no memory but we keep throwing it around so yeah it's it's one of those yeah, it's not it's one of those good. books and characterizations that will just do, live through the ages is it's not good yeah like chuck austin's x-men run it's just a train wreck of weird and epic proportions that is hard <laughs> to believe but you sort of like superman walking across the earth it's like really that's uh, just weird, like Gwen Stacy having the twins of Norman Osborn. Just <laughs> weird choices. <laughs> Unfortunate choices. Um, on one level, Comicsdom tries to forget, but they never quite go out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. So this went a long way toward rehabbing the character from that. So even though, yeah, this is more your book than mine, it's a, it was fun. I, I enjoyed what I read of it. Yeah. And, and this was a, a pretty good issue uh, to go out on. I'm hoping she lands in a, in another good story arc once they decide to use her again with after rebirth. Exactly. All right. Anything else on Starfire? No, just it was it was solid. There's a there's going to be a Titans rebirth, so I wonder if she might be involved in that. It doesn't say Teen Titans; it just says Titans. So I'm wondering if she's going to be involved in that. Yeah, I. Uh, oh Jesus, I forget if there. I think there's going to be. Yeah, more of a. Because <laughs> I think that's part of why they're trying to reset um, Grayson back to. Nightwing. Oh yeah, and the the stuff that's been going on with uh oh god, what's the book? Titans uh Hunt. Yeah, Titans Hunt has sort of been setting a certain amount of that up. Yeah. So So yeah, and uh, I'll I'll be glad to see that. I'll I'll miss old school Wally West in that, mm-hmm. but you know, what can you do? But yeah, I think there's going to be a a new Teen Titans and a new Titans for the old new Teen Titans. I think I'm having a stroke. You might be. Do you smell burning toast? <laughs> Ah, uh, no, nah, I smell fine. Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale Ale. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> and your liver thanks you for it. My liver has stopped talking to me. <laughs> All right, what what else? Stop yeah. the presses. There's a new issue of Powers. Yeah, yeah, so. Oh, my God. Yep, new Powers. It's only been uh, seven months. Jesus. I looked it up, seven months Jesus. since the last one. Uh, hey, that's the best comics news of the week, I guess. Oh, my God, they're not dead. <laughs> Oh, they're trying. Uh, look, uh, this is another book. That before we even talk about the issue, <laughs> I, I love Brian Michael Bendis as a writer. And I get that he writes, uh, what, two-thirds of Marvel Comics? Yes. Uh, pretty much two-thirds of them. And I respect that he has never given up on his creator-owned books. It only seems like it because you don't see him very often. Right. Um. This and this is another book that I'm I'm pretty much ready to recommend that you only buy it in the trades. 
because the fucking publishing schedule is ridiculous. Again, the yeah. last issue of Powers was released in October. Jesus. Now, that was issue five. The issue six here, this ends the arc. <laughs> so that, maybe now a trade will come out. <laughs> yeah, so it, it ends the six-issue arc that, that they started when they uh, renumbered to number one because the TV show was coming out. That mm. arc started in January 2015. Jesus. It's been 17 months to release six issues. Now, this is a problem with Bendis' creator-owned work. You can't count on when any of it comes out. Right. And it hasn't been an insurmountable problem because Bendis is so popular usually. You know that eventually they're going to come out, and even if you lose the thread, which is a big problem I had with this, mm. in six months, seven months, I've lost the thread. I forget what the fuck happened in Powers 5. Right, and even reading the blurb at the front doesn't really help. Yeah, so it's I I just I I'd forgotten what was what was going on, and yeah, but usually that doesn't matter because you, you can always say, well, I'll just get it in the trade. But even that is not necessarily the case anymore because <laughs> the schedules are starting to bite Bendis in the ass. Now, more of the bad comics news this week: Bendis's and Mark Bagley's Brilliant uh, just got canceled. Oh, really? And flat out, okay, it's done. I don't know if Bendis and Bagley said we can't keep up with it or if Marvel said we can't keep people on the hook anymore. Right. But I mean, that one, the first issue of that came out in September 2011. Issue five came out in 2014. Jesus. So now we're talking six and seven were being solicited and solicited <laughs> and solicited. Now it's canceled. They're never coming out. Now, this is not a unique situation for any of Bendis's books. Scarlet, which is his series with Alex Maleev, right. first issue of that came out in 2010. I remember. Yeah. Issue seven came out in 2013. Jesus. The eighth issue apparently came out May 4th. I didn't see it in the comic store and I couldn't find any reviews for it online. I did see it on the Comixology uh, store. Okay. Uh, number nine is supposedly scheduled for next week. So we're talking six years there for nine issues. How can you fucking keep up with that? Yeah. Yeah. And you can make the argument that oh, you still have to buy the individual issues because if you don't buy the individual issues, it won't look like anybody wants it and you'll never get the trade. But it's looking like at this point it might not matter because they canceled Brilliant. Right. And it's any incentives to buy the individual issues? You know, like The one thing you can always count on with Powers is you got the letters column. Yeah. At the very least, it, he Bendis always does an Yeah, you're going to look. There's no fucking letters column in this issue. Damn you, Bendis. There is no reason to get this issue... Except <laughs> that, oh, I happen to have issue five in front of me and remember what was going on. You know, you might as well wait for the trade based on this issue. Yeah. Which sucks because even not remembering what went on in number five, this is not a bad comic book. No. You can almost just sort of take it as, all right, it's a slice of life. Forget what happened. You get enough of a sense of what this guy did mm -hmm. that it, you can almost treat it like a one and done. So again, I really like Bendis's writing. And whether it's on purpose or it just, you know, on purpose of, all right, it's been a few issues, so let me make this somewhat satisfying on its own. Or if it just happened to work out that way, it's still, you can read this and it's, it's not a bad comic book. They, yeah, no, it was, it was an enjoyable read. I just, yeah, I couldn't remember what had happened before at all. So at least, at least it sort of functioned as its own bottle episode. <laughs> yeah, taking it as a bottle episode, uh, Pilgrim and, uh, what, what's her partner's name? Ankle. Sunrise or yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah, they, they capture a Enki power. Enki Sunrise. Yeah, Enki Sunrise? Yep. Okay, so they they capture a power with a pretty nifty little subterfuge and a little bit of a chase scene, and they get him into custody, and Pilgrim interrogates him and 
finds out what his motivations are. And basically he was experimented on by this rich dude and left for dead and then came back for revenge and killed the richest man in the world and half of his family. Mm -hmm. And he intends to go on and continue to kill all these powers that he created because he just sort of thought powers were neat. So he was pulling people off the street and trying to give them powers. And if they died, fuck it, he threw them out. Uh, and Pilgrim says, you know, okay, now will you work for me to go out and kill these people? And he says, yeah, absolutely. And Pilgrim fakes that he made a fake to bring his powers up and blows them away. So it's it's really kind of a dark ending. It and is. It is. She sort of goes Judge Dredd on him. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of interesting to speculate what she and or Sunrise uh, have in mind for this, what the motivation is. I mean, mm. my guess is in the ongoing Powers comic universe, okay, we have these new powers, so let's use my assertion that even though the drainers are being used, he could still use his powers to give the police more unilateral power to use deadly force against powers. Yeah. I'm guessing that might be a motivation, but still it's a good, it gets the wheels turning, gives us something to think about at the end of the issue. It's it's not a bad comic book. And, and also we've got this subplot, and this is where things coming out too far apart really affects it where Walker has lost his powers yet again, but then may have gotten them back. We don't know. Right. <laughs> we know he's come back to work on the force. Um, Sunrise doesn't seem happy about it. <laughs> uh, this is, this has been overall a problem with powers. Powers has, you know, I, back in the early 2000s, when powers first came out, I'd never seen anything like it. It was really the Gotham central of its time. Just cops yeah. with powers around. And that was great. And over the course of time, now everybody has powers. Walker has had and lost powers at least two or three fucking times. Yeah. We learned that, oh, no, he wasn't just a superhero and then a cop. He was also a god. He's been around. savage of his day. Yeah. And (laughs) so the scope of it has grown. And for me, it's always what I, no, I want to see cops trying to operate in the world of superheroes. That's why this is a great issue. That's what this is. Yeah. And that's sort of what Bendis has hauled it back to ever since, oh, I got a TV show. And that's what that TV show is, so I really need to put... So I've been psyched about it, but yeah, seven months again you know, between issues, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, and of course, the the one image they leave you on is the um, Power Season 2 is coming back on May 31st. Yeah, <laughs> and we still have to finish Power Season 1. We watched the first few episodes. It was solid, if a yeah. deviation from the original comic. It was okay. But it's if you look at the, the promo for it, the next... The, the next arc in the show is Who Killed Retro Girl, which mm. is the first one from the comic. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. Not enough to buy a PlayStation. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's got some great scenes. Pilgrims, which is really Bendis's dialogue, is top-notch through the whole thing. But again, I got to keep coming back to this is Bendis's flagship creator-owned title. I mean, for good or ill, it's being supported by a television show, which should bring new readers into it. You need to have a book for the new readers to actually read. Yeah, but it's I'm sitting here. I I get you're doing all these Marvel books. I like all those Marvel books. I don't want you to work less. But it's just it's hard to say. You know, look, man, if if this is your flagship, you know, if this is your Kirkman money book, yeah, and and you don't care enough to release an arc in less than seventeen months, I'm beginning to think I shouldn't fucking care either. Yeah, that that's valid. But at the same time, it's like, all right, I could take this book on its own and I enjoyed reading it mm-hmm. but it's just and now it now it's just fueled by the frustration of what the fuck is going on again and why haven't I seen this in this long and 
is this a new story? Is it an old story? It's a, you, you can't keep track of it. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's a good comic. You're not necessarily going to know what's going on. Yeah. Maybe you should wait for the trade, which hopefully will come because maybe I'm recommending <laughs> not to buy the issues. We don't have the book down here in front of us, but if you want to read a creator-owned property that's coming out on a fairly regular basis that continues to be solid, Nick Spencer's The Fix dropped last week's uh, issue two. Oh, yeah. And that second, <laughs> second issue is great. So if you, we, we've recommended, we recommended issue one on, on the show before. I suddenly can't speak. Um, <laughs> go ahead, uh, buy issue two. It continues to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, just street-level idiot criminals. Yes. You know, with fun dialogue and stupid plans. And uh, Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader also came out again last week. That's actually been canceled, so it's going to be wrapping up pretty soon, but it's still a solid book. Seek it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, more fucking bummer comics news. It's uh, Yeah, that's been great all the way through. And apparently it's being canceled because Gillen has said, look, I've always had a beginning, middle, and end in mind. Yeah. But still, it's, uh, okay, another... Good book canceled. Yep. This week has just kind of sucked. Yeah. For comics. Yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm ready to start fresh on Monday. We have we have new books. There will be new news. Oh, I, I hope so. Because, yeah, this, this has not been one of the more fun ones if you're a comic fan. No. Now, a few solid books, but you know, on the whole, I was yeah going through the books to figure out what to talk about this week. And a lot of uh, more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. Hoping for the best for next week. Yes. And hopefully the best doesn't include X-Men Apocalypse oh. based on what I'm hearing. Oh, shut up, Sansa. <laughs> just, just, shh. <laughs> yep, 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 shh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go save Sansa. Get away from her, you bitch. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, Game of Thrones is going to be on soon, so why don't we wrap this up? Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll bring it in for a landing. Uh, as usual, I don't know where you found this uh, episode of Bummed Out <laughs> <laughs> Comics News. but We should just play like the Imperial Death March underneath this as like the bed music for the whole. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know where you found this particular <laughs> episode. No, no, it's not that bad. You can always find us at our home website, which is crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, Facebook page is Crisis on Infinite Midlives, uh, after Facebook.com. Uh, we are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Yep. You can find us on Tumblr, Crisis on Infinite Midlives.tumblr.com. We are on iTunes. If iTunes is how you get your podcasts, uh, do us a favor, give us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. Yes. It makes us feel happy after a bummer week. Uh, you can find us on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, TuneIn Radio. Uh, what, am I missing any? Mm. We are all we are all things to all men and in all places, and are therefore <laughs> us unto a god. Did you mention the Comics Network? I comics did not. We are also proud members of the Comics <laughs> Podcast Network. There we go. And you can always email us crisis on infinite midlives at gmail dot com. And otherwise, that is it. This has been episode 113 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. <sighs> Sometimes that's all you can say. Yeah.